There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Let me see. I'm John Verhoeven, and I've worked as a cop... I was in forensics, I was in the air wing, world class, and I was a New South Wales firefighter, top shelf. Have I, have I left anything out? No, that's all I did. Oh, wait. When my dad and mum were exhausted from too much death, destruction and adventure after years in the emergency services, they did something totally normal. They decided to run a funeral home. In this season of Loose Units, you'll find out what it was like to grow up with parents who ran an actual funeral home, prepared bodies, dealt with grieving families, and who confronted death on a daily basis. It'll be harrowing, thrilling, and loose. Welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Dead Serious. Every week I sit down with my dad, John, and we basically just talk through his time as a funeral director. The twist is, though, as you already very well bloody know, is that he was a cop and he was in forensics and he was a firefighter. And before we kick off this episode, Dad, there's something very, very exciting that uh, that we're going to announce right now. So, so a lot of listeners and a lot of readers have basically been going, look, what's next? When you finish up with the funeral home uh, you know, season, what are you going to do next? Because chronologically, after the funeral home, Dad, you weren't a cop anymore. You weren't a firefighter. So, you know, I guess the, the question was, what do we do next? Now, Electric Blue is out in bookstores right now. And thank you so much to everyone for reading the book and for listening to the audio book and, you know, just spreading it far and wide. But I've been sitting here looking at my copy of Loose Units, which is the book that spawned this podcast. So if you've listened to the first season of Loose Units, if you've gone all the way back to the beginning, which you haven't done, I highly, highly urge you to, because it's really exciting stuff. The whole premise of this podcast, Dad, as you know, was, hey, why don't we talk about the cases that didn't make it into the book? And one of the interesting things that's happened is Electric Blue is based on cases that happened in the podcast, and people have been going, they're they're very different. Like, the book is very different to the podcast because it's based on things that actually happened. So here's what we're doing. On the 20th of October, we are kicking off episode one of a new season of Loose Units, and it's called Loose Units Origins. What we're doing is we're going to get Loose Units, the book, and every week we're going to take a chapter of Loose Units, and we're going to explore the story behind the story. So in Loose Units and Electric Blue, I took stories and th- of things that happened to Dad, and I turned them into big, sensational, Hollywoodized versions of themselves. What we're going to do every week is we're going to take a chapter, and Dad's going to tell the story behind my version of events, and we're going to get down into the nitty-gritty of what happened from the moment Dad enrolled in the police force and sweep through the book, and we're going to really go deep into some of the most insane stuff. I mean, Loose Units, Dad, Loose Units has, I mean, there's a Roger Rogerson story in there, there's a story about a witch, 
There's a woman who gets sawed in half by a train. I would argue that your most stressful stories are in loose units, potentially, or some of them anyway. And um, no one's ever heard you talk about them on the podcast before. So that's what Loose Units Origins is. So you don't have to have the book. You don't have to have a copy of Loose Units. But Dad, do you think people would benefit from reading ahead each week, treating it like a kind of book club? I think, Paul, Mm. that it sounds so exciting. (laughs) Can I give you an analogy? Yeah, please do. how excited I am? Please do. Do you recall the original Willy Wonka movie with Gene Wilder? Oh, yeah, vividly. And do you remember when... Violet Beauregard got caught. Well, hang on. No, or was it the Augustus Glue? Augustus Glue got, got stuck in the tube. He yeah. got stuck in the tube. Yeah. And then there was so much back pressure <laughs> with liquid chocolate. Yeah. That eventually he just, well, through the force of the force of something or other, he he was projected forward rapidly. Yeah. That's how I feel. I feel like that little German boy stuck inside that glass tube and the pressure behind me is so intense that at a certain point <laughs> i after what you've just said yeah i will be projected or propelled mm-hmm. into some new place where we can go back and and i think the listeners are in for well you know what i'm going to say a real treat I was concerned that you were trying to tell us in a very roundabout way that you are extremely constipated or that, you know, having an Augustus stuck up your chocolate factory is prison slang for something. Mm, But there's some truly incredible... I mean, Loose Units is the reason this podcast exists. I wrote a book about Dad's adventures and we thought, look, there's lots of cases that just wouldn't fit in. And that's Mm. where it began. But there's so many stories that you've... Like, some of your most iconic, horrifying stories about your first few years in general duties were never told on the podcast. And the no. book tells a version of events. But I think effectively one of the fun things about a book club, Dad, is that you know you get told a month ahead or whenever that this is the book we're going to be discussing. This way, what's happening is every week we're going to go, all right, next week we're going to talk chapter two. So just if you want, read it. If you don't, you don't have to. I would say it will be more enjoyable if as a group we all read mm. ahead. So you and I will be doing this as well. This isn't mm. just listeners and readers. No, no, I'll be doing it. We're going to sit down and actually read the chapter, mm. do our research, and then wander into the studio together and go, okay, so for example, in this chapter, you were at the police academy, Dad, and uh, you had a particularly intense drill sergeant and something insane happened to you. Let's talk through what it was actually like mm. and talk us through the, the, you know, the adventures from your point of view because not many people know this, but I sat down with you in apartment, uh, in your apartment, or we went to you know Churros place, or we went to a, at one point we went to a pub um, on George Street before a movie screening, and I sat there with my phone and just recorded you kind of just mumbling through various traumas, and then I turned those into stories. But you're a different person now. You know how to you know you're, you're basically a stage trained entertainer at this point. So I am so thrilled to be taking it back to the beginning of where you know you began as a cop so this podcast has gone from true crime through to forensics through to fire brigade through to funeral homes and now it's zipping back to the year 1981 to north sydney police station so on the 20th of october loose units origins kicks off if you haven't got a copy of loose units that's totally fine you don't actually need it technically and i'm sorry to take up so much of this podcast talking about the next season, but um, we're nearing the end of uh, Dead Serious and we've had a really great time and we will keep doing uh, loose ends throughout the, uh, throughout the next season. So we just wanted to give you the big announcement here uh, at the beginning of your week. So 
just get ready for more vintage 80s true crime. We're taking it back to where it all began on the 20th of October. But dad, that's enough housekeeping and enough announcements this week. You have something of a big story for us because um, we don't normally talk about exes on this show. I know no. I don't. <clears throat> no. But you mentioned that you had a funeral home story regarding uh, relating to one of your exes. Is that yep. correct? Hmm. Um, now, listeners... Um and Paul, yes. I'm hoping that, I mean, I need to be slightly, um, I mean, I'm slightly apprehensive about this story. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons is that uh, Christine is sitting about four feet behind me. So she's kind of reading, but she might be listening in. So I need so to saying, be sort of... You're saying talking about an ex? Yeah, it's a bit weird. Uh, okay. And I don't want to freak you out, or perhaps not freak, creep with a C... You yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll 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 go gingerly, but I need to sort of be, you know, pretty open in terms of the facts. If it's okay, I'll start when I was going out with this particular girl. Yeah, of course. Yep, take us back. And um, she lived in Eleanor Heights, mm-hmm. and she was older than me. Eleanor Heights. Yeah, and um, my best friend at the time. He mm-hmm. lived um, up in that same suburb, and I had uh, an old um, shitbox. In fact, wow. Um, in the very first chapter, Paul, of Loose Units, yep. you recall my car that you so beautifully described? Oh, there's a story where I'm driving down George Street in that Holden. Yeah, one of the... Yeah, we start with a kind of flash forward to, mm. a, to a scene. Yeah, and we'll obviously cover that in Loose Units Origins. Oh, I'm so excited about that podcast. Um, but yeah, you were driving a... What was the exact model and the, make? It was, an, it was a late, um, late 60s, early 70s white Holden. And look, uh-huh. in, in the time, um, it's all I could afford. Yeah. And um, I would describe, to use the Australian vernacular, it was a shitbox. Okay. Um, it was not an impressive car. I mean, some of my friends had, dare I say it, panel vans, um, which I thought were really cool. Um, but, you know, I was an apprentice and I was working. Um, I think my very first paycheck when I started my apprenticeship was $29 a week. That was my income. That's not so, a lot of money. That's like, I mean, I mean that's that, shit. It's that's shit. considered, I mean, in some fields, that's considered low for an hourly rate. But I would yeah, describe I... that as borderline slave labor. Okay. Um, but anyway, look. So, look, I cobbled together. Um, I actually bought that car, funnily enough, off my brother. Not quite sure where he acquired it, but it was a white Holden. I mean, it looked okay, but it was, it was, it was basically ratchet. So, imagine you are going out on a date for the first time mm-hmm. and you want to pick up this nice girl in your car and being a very, um, being a teenager, you know, of sort of, Wanting to impress um, the girl, I you know it's, I may have cleaned the car that afternoon, and um, which was a waste of time. Um, I smoked back then, so the car oh, would, would have would have. How smelt. much? Um, now this is this is fairly new information because mm. it's not mentioned in any of the books. How no. much were you smoking at that point? Well, listeners and Paul, um, I I might not have had much money, but at least I thought. I could perhaps impress people by the brand of cigarette I smoked. So I smoked Dunhill, which was a yeah. very exclusive uh, cigarette and quite expensive, maybe cost 30 cents a packet, um, as opposed to low 20 cents. And um, I smoked, uh, get ready for this, 20 a yeah. day. Tw- 20 a day? At least, yeah. Twen- when did you stop, by the way? Um, 
well, have we ever covered that when I stopped? It was at a big fire and I was in the fire brigade. You, wait, you, you smoked through to the fire brigade? Yep. Really? Mm. Hang on, when you lived at home, where were you smoking? I'd go outside. I never ever smoked in front of your kids. Holy shit. I don't, I have no mem. It's weird how little I remember. Okay, so you smoked, because what's weird is um, you maybe get a job at a news agent's up from where we lived, and my mate at the time, Anthony Stemark, and I would, I was like. 13 or 12 or 13 and we became briefly convinced that we should smoke because it was cool Mm. and we stole a box of Benson and Hedges 16s which apparently is ridiculously strong Mm. and I had just seen a Western on the TV. Rather than smoking them, I broke it open and just started chewing the tobacco. Mm. It was a, like exorcist grade vomiting in, in the woods and I never smoked again. He, mm. I think he still might smoke or he did mm. last time yeah. I saw him. Yeah. Okay, so you had Dunhills and you were driving your car and you're heading to woo some lady. W- mm. When was this, by the way? How old were you? Um, I was around about... Um, 17, maybe 18. Pre-police, pre-police force. Yeah, pre-police. Um, apprentice toolmaker. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was a probably a Saturday night. And I can't remember where I met her, but I was, um, I was very nervous. And she, I went to the front door and knocked and mm-hmm. I was invited inside. And I'll never forget uh, meeting the parents. Um, the father was... Uh, I th- he was a bit creepy actually and they sat me down at this table and um, I remember overlooking the um, the dining table was a uh, famous painting by um, Salvador Dali of this guy crucified um, on a cross but the cross was upside down so the body was sort of head towards the earth and I thought that's slightly unusual subject matter for the dining table, dining room and I sort of very awkwardly met the parents and the parents were sort of sort of sussing me out and I, and I guess that's fairly normal. I mean I was a pretty clean cut sort of a guy, very polite and obviously out to impress the parents so that I could take this lovely girl out mm. and um, she had long black hair but the relationship never really developed she was quite intent on uh, never letting things progress and I was sort of getting you know I mean well I don't know whether I should use the word frustrated but I thought this relationship was not actually going anywhere Um, I'd like to give a specific example um, but I'm not quite sure whether I should I don't think you don't need to no 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 but anyway look let's just say that uh, you know we parted friends Mm -hmm. and uh, I didn't see her for a long long time then years later, when I was working at Kinsella uh, Funeral Homes in Narrabeen, her family still were fairly local. Eleanor Heights is just um, up the hill, so to speak, from mm-hmm. Narrabeen. Yep. And uh, one day she uh, came into the, uh, the funeral parlour and she explained that... Uh, and this was right in the middle of the, um, the AIDS ep- epidemic, when there was a lot of... Uh, sort of rumor and um, you know misinformation and prejudice and and fear and uh, and all those all those words and 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 that incredible campaign that we uh, had in Australia with the remember the the family um, with the Grim Reaper and the bowling oh ball? with the Grim Reaper bowling mm, yeah and it was really it was very intense um, but I then found out that her brother who he was sort of um, I'd met the brother when I was kind of going out with her and he was um 
fairly quiet guy, but he got involved in uh, in the drug scene, mm-hmm. and he became a um, a heroin addict, ah. and um, but also through using uh, dirty needles, he contracted AIDS, and he passed away in his twenties, and um, my cousin um, who at one point in time was very very high up in the new south wales department of health mm-hmm. he used to tell me and i never knew whether this was sort of on the record or off the record but there was a lot of unknown information back then about the aids virus in its ability to live outside the human body sure and an example of that was that at long bay jail um i don't know whether you're aware of this paul but a an inmate injected um not injected, actually put a syringe into his body and reverse injected. He sucked some blood out of one of his veins. He then threw the the needle with the syringe and it hit a prison water in the the body. It it, it entered his body and that particular prison water at Long Bay Jail died of AIDS. Isn't that... And that shows that the virus could um, live outside the human body. Now, my cousin explained to me that um, they never really knew how long the virus could could live. And what happened was, when I was working at Kinsella Funeral Homes, um, if you died of AIDS, you were not allowed to be buried. Did you know that, Paul? No, I that's really upsetting. I didn't know. Mm. I didn't know that you were not allowed to be buried, and you were only allowed to be cremated. But when we received this particular young guy, who was the brother of, let's say, you know, this this nice girl that I'd tried to sort of, you know, become involved with, to, which was a failure, mm-hmm. um, and she was really, really distressed, but she was quite comforted in the fact that she knew me and she knew that... And, of course, we would never, ever give people more or less service. It was always a very, very high standard, and I would always um, make sure that they got the very, very best mm-hmm. uh, on every occasion. But this was this was a sad funeral in that when the... Um, because they had to do a post-mortem at uh, the Glebe morgue, which mm-hmm. back then was the largest morgue in the Southern Hemisphere. And I don't know whether the listeners know, Paul, but it was the reason it was so big in so far as they'd factored in the, a worst-case scenario in Sydney, and that was they factored in if a 747, which could hold around about 350 people, if that crashed at Kingsford Smith Airport they would have a minimum of 350 dead bodies yeah. and they 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 built the morgue around a worst case scenario in glebe that it could fit and handle that many deceased mm. on one day which right. is really interesting and um so they do the post post mortem at glebe they then convey as everyone knows the the body back to the relevant funeral home mm-hmm. Now, when we received this young guy, he was double wrapped in plastic. Now, that term, does that remind you of a particular I would say Twin Peaks. Correct. Brilliant. That is a classic term used in uh, 
who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. And But the thing is about my story, Paul, is that what I'm describing to you and the listeners was real. And when we took him out of our little mortuary at Narrabeen, mm-hmm. we put him on a gurney. We then wheeled him across the courtyard. We got him into the garage. We then placed him in a coffin. And I could see his face through the plastic, even though it was double double wrapped. I mean, he was wrapped like a... I mean, I'm just trying to give an analogy. Um, if you, you know, got a piece of um, meat or a vegetable and just um, unraveled maybe a meter of uh, cling wrap, clear plastic, and just rolled and rolled and rolled and wrapped and rolled and folded and tucked until you had this tight sort of almost mummified... Um, in fact, the mummy analogy is probably better, but imagine a mummy but not being bound in in cloth but in that plastic. Seems very, that seems very undignified. Paul, uh, the reason that it was like that was simply the AIDS virus. Um, and, I, and I distinctly remember not wearing any uh, head visors. I mean, we, were, we, were, we in the funeral industry were given no, uh, no guidance, no notes, no instruction. Mm-hmm. Nothing about handling uh, people that had died um, of, of... I mean, it was like it was being treated like Ebola. Um, and you can only imagine the processes um, of, of, of burying, or in this case, you were not allowed. It was, it was, um, it was illegal to, uh, to bury. Now, I spoke to my cousin about that some years later, yeah. and he explained to me that there was a theory at the time that if the body in a coffin, six feet under, if it leaked, and they do leak. I've seen photographs of, uh, in fact, one of, the, one of the listeners sent a photograph in a few weeks ago, and it actually, in fact, I think it was on the Facebook page, and there was a, there was a clear seepage of blood around the coffin at a cemetery. And, uh, I mean, that's quite interesting in itself. But there is a like a water substrate in, in, in Sydney, at least, and probably most capital cities, and they were worried that the leaking body, you know, the, um, dare I say it, the liquids, the juice, the blood, everything sort of... But that virus, they were worried that it might get into the water table. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. That's how, how fearful they were. Yeah. Okay. Now, what they then decided that the bodies had to be, um, you know, wrapped, double wrapped in plastic. Now, that, that wrapping was done at the, at the morgue after the post-mortem. Now, I know that um, having been to the morgue and watched and attended and viewed many, many post-mortems, I know that the staff, uh, you know, the pathologists and, and associated staff at Glebe took in, incredible um, precautions. Um because they would always assume the worst and they would protect themselves because when they're cutting uh, the skull to remove the skull cap to, to, um, to reveal the brain, and you, you may remember they use that vibrating circular saw. Yeah. I mean, th- I, I remember seeing these guys and girls wearing incredible um, visors because they can't afford to get any bone particle uh, in their eyes or in, in their mouth mm-hmm. or, or their nose. So... Um, so we had this guy, we um, <clears throat> prepared the coffin and uh, we knew that uh, it was going to be cremated at the, at the northern suburbs crematorium in the northern chapel because he was a youngish guy. So remember with young people, it tends to be, uh, generally speaking, very, very large um, crowds. And this was an afternoon funeral that was unusual because mm-hmm. most um, cremations were in the morning. But Paul, this particular... Um, cremation um, was really tough because um, I had a connection with the family. I'd met the young guy that I could sort of see looking. I mean, obviously he wasn't looking out, but you get that feeling that it looked like someone in a bad B-grade movie when they suffocate someone with the plastic bag. That's a pretty good analogy. He looked like he was trapped inside this plastic you know, it was just hellish to look at. But we were under strict instructions, obviously, that once we sealed the coffin, mm-hmm. that was it. So when we conveyed the young guy to the crematorium and all the family were there and, 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 and this lovely girl that I'd known in a previous life, she was there and, and, and the parents were there. The parents were just absolutely they were beside themselves. But the impression that I got was that no one in the family knew that he died of AIDS. No. To them, to them, it was the brother who'd passed away, and it's certainly not my business um, to talk about cause of death, but here's the thing, Paul and listeners. Someone had come from the airport, a relative. It could have been a brother... But because this um, young guy had been living in the nefarious underworld of the drug sort of scene in Sydney, he had had no contact with his family. 
And aside from all the grieving relatives and me knowing that inside this coffin was this young guy um, wrapped so well, but then one of the uh, one of the family came up to me. It was a hot summer's day. It's in the afternoon, and he this guy was crying, and he said to me he wanted to see his brother one last time. Now, I uh, I was conflicted. Um, and under some circumstances, and I've thought about this over many, many years, about what I could have done, if, for example, um, I thought he was in a good state, he, I may, may, on a rare occasion, perhaps have organised, I may have been able to organise a very, very short, private, open casket. I know that's incredibly unorthodox. But you need to sort of factor in the whole situation. And you want to please, and you're saying to this guy, look, and he's begging me. He's saying, in front of about 100 people, might I add. And he was, he sort of started to make his way towards the coffin. And because we didn't have the coffin inside the um, the chapel, it was on a gurney. <clears throat> and um, he started to make his way towards the coffin. And then I began to realize that he, from what I could gather, he actually was going to start to undo the uh, the four screws, um, and he wanted, and he was insisting, and he became very aggressive, and people were pulling him away from the coffin, and he was he was just he was so um, upset and so desperate. And then this girl came up to me and she said to me, "Look, John, is there any way you can um, <clears throat> you can let us see my brother?" Now, that should have all been organised before, but it would not have been able to have been organised because he had died of AIDS, but no one knew. Mm -hmm. So I'm in this terrible, terrible quandary where I knew that I couldn't open the coffin um, even if I wanted to because can you imagine what the family would have seen? They would have seen a scene out of a fucking horror film. Of course. And then they would have thought, hang on a sec, what's, 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 why, why... We know that no one is normally like this. What's with the plastic? And it was, it was. And, and I they just, would have found it. Yeah, and they would have found out about his diagnosis. Yeah, and, Jesus and I Christ. just had to really put my foot down and say, "Look, I'm terribly, terribly sorry." And I just had to say, "Look, I, I can't open it." And, and and it was a really, really shitty funeral. Yeah. And uh, it was really stressful. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, Paul, you said to me, or one of the listeners wrote in and said, "Oh, was there ever a funeral?" Um, you know, where things sort of, sort of unraveled a bit and people sort of started to flip out. And I, I didn't tell that story then because I wanted to save it for today. Yeah. And I'm sure there are similar stories out there about um, because it all ties back to, you know, sometimes you can't have a viewing. What happens if the... Um, well, what happens if, for example, imagine a shark attack where the sharks come in, taken the head, taken a lot of them, there's just a torso. Now that torso is still going to be identified. Believe it or not, they're still going to do some type of post-mortem on, on what they've got. Yeah. And then they're going to put what they've got into a coffin and the family are going to go through the process, which is really important. Now, can yeah. you imagine the family saying, we want to see the torso? Well, no. Well, you can't. You can't let them see it because of the distress. I mean, we dealt with this last week when you were, you know, dealing with the kind of mangled remains 
of of that woman's boy from the from the uh, you know overseas conflict, and you had that sort of problem of the grief that it will induce in someone if I show them, you know. It's like, what duty of care do you have? You know, what level of, mm-hmm. when do you say no? Exactly. You so, know. look, I guess the most important part of the body, I don't guess, but it is, for a viewing perspective, it's the head. And, um, yeah. you know, if, um, like in a, like in, in a, in a bad um, gangster film where they drop those people into those machines that grind them up and turn them into sausages, okay. um, you know, you're not going to show the family a pile of sausage mints. It won't oh, yeah. help them. There's a reason caskets are closed sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So that was a that was that was full on. And uh, but she appreciated. Uh, you know, I was my hands were tied, so to yeah. speak. And I and I and I know that I handled that 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 whole process. Um, can you imagine if that guy had have run towards the coffin, knocked it off its off the the uh, you know the trolley, mm-hmm. which is and and they're, they're not the most robust um, boxes. I mean, they are designed to burn pretty quickly. Yeah, all the screws and all the handles—they're all plastic. And um, can you imagine if he had have just crash tackled it and it had have flipped over, um, smashed open? Very, very possibly could have happened, and the body would have rolled out across and just in front of everyone. And just can you imagine? I mean, it actually looked like—come to think of it—he he looked like a, um, you know, the butterflies when they're a pupae. Is that the word? Pupe, yes. Yeah, so that's kind of what he looked like. He looked like something that may have turned into something different. Had he, yeah, look, anyway, it's, I'm, I'm losing the thread a bit, but yeah. So, on obviously, and the, the reason I can recall most of these stories with extraordinary detail is that they obviously, uh, you know, left an impact. Fucking hell. That is so stressful. I mean, like, look, people regularly ask, is John okay? Are you doing okay? Does this stuff kind of upset you? Is it, does it trigger you? This season has been really odd because, you know, it began with us sort of going, okay, dad, you know, started working at a funeral home and that had a weird effect on me. And then just to catch people up in case they don't. And obviously, you know, then a couple of episodes into the season, the unthinkable happened. Your father, my grandfather, passed away during a season about the funeral home. And then we've sort of been through this litany of really intense stories uh, I, I'm just going to do the duty of care thing again for you. How are you doing? Do these stories get to you? Do you think about them once we stop recording? Like, how, how does this affect you? Um, no, I, I just tuck it away. Yeah. But uh, there is a show on, I believe, Netflix, Paul, that uh, you, Tegan, Christine and myself watched. Well, Christine actually hasn't seen it, but I watched yeah. it last week and... I don't know what it was about that particular show, but it actually affected me really badly. And Christine commented a few hours later, and it took me into a really shitty place. Uh, now, to that end, that's really that's really interesting. I think what I would like to do is because at the start of this episode, you know, we mentioned the fact that Loose Units Origins starts on the twentieth, and it will have a kind of book club esque structure. If you want to pursue it that way, like you can read ahead. And this this Netflix series, I watched it as well. And it kind of had the opposite effect on me. So I thought what we could do for this week's episode of Loose Ends, Dad, is... Okay, so the series is called American Murder, The Family Next Door. If you're watching from Australia, if you're listening from Australia, you'll obviously have probably seen it pop up on your Netflix queue. But what we'll do this Loose Ends, this Friday, is we'll have a chat. Dad and I will actually kind of, you know, break down what we thought of the series, 
who we thought did it and kind of break down motives because something that people have regularly requested dad is that we look at existing true crimes and sort of weigh in on what we think mm, so great just idea. to sort of dip our toes in mm. you know how about this friday we okay. sit down and chat about you fantastic know, um, yeah America, it's so it's called american murder the family next door i know that it really upset dad like it really upset no, it really dad. upset me i'll look at it i'm going to watch it again and i'll take notes this time okay but i and found that particular show and i don't know why but it mm. really really made me feel very low for a it's few objectively, hours yeah it's very it's it, it's difficult viewing we won't tell you anything about the premise don't read any blurbs don't do any research just go and watch it and we'll probably spend you know like half the episode talking about it if you haven't got access to netflix that's cool what you're going to hear is you know uh me and dad speculating about a murder uh if indeed that's what happened so make sure you do your homework if you can. If you can't, that's cool. Just rock up to class, sit at the back, be the cool kids. That's fine. Um, Dad, are you excited about Loose Units Origins in two weeks? I'm. I'm beyond excited. Can't wait. It's going to be. It's going to be. It'll be like. It'll be like our live shows where the people that come to the live show get things, stories that have never ever. It's going to be that's great. Right. That's right. Um, and also, as a bit of a bonus, I'm going to go through and find one of our live show recordings that we've never aired before. And I'm going to pop that on the feed soon. So, I think that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units Dead Serious. Next week's episode of Loose Units Dead Serious will mark the end of the funeral home era of the podcast. So, if you have any questions about funeral home stuff that you want to shoot through, make sure you send them through at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash loose units. Uh, this week's going to be really, really weird and intense because Tegan and I are moving house. So apologies if we take a little bit longer than normal to get back to you uh, with your questions and whatnot. <sighs> I, I'm really, I'm Dad, I'm so excited about this new season yeah. uh, of the <clears throat> Me podcast. Too. Me mm. too. Can't wait. And, and at this point, Dad, could you tell people that Christmas is approaching? So if you haven't got your copy of Electric Blue, go out and grab it now. Okay, listeners. It's, um, this year's been weird and wacky. Um, but I think um, we're in, well, I don't think, we're actually in October now. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it would be lovely to send friends, family, loved ones here and overseas a copy of the latest book, Electric Blue. Yes. And um, Christine and I have just sent one to a special person who lives in Switzerland I'm not going to say who it is because that's not my business. But he's a he's he's a lovely, lovely guy, and he's going to get that incredible book of yours, Paul, for his birthday. Oh, excellent! Uh, this month, so uh, you you and I have both done a lovely dedication. But look, I think it's a great time in in our world to um, if you want to just chill and just zone out and escape. Then the best way to do it is with a bloody good book. And Paul, your both your books. Uh, are exhilarating and 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 they they must be because um, a, a certain small organisation called mm, Hollywood have uh, have optioned uh, the whole concept. So yeah, they're so, excited, and yeah. because they're excited, I'm excited. I'm so flattered. It's it's so nice when you plug the book. I I really yeah. So like Dad said, Christmas is coming up. Buy this book for everyone you know. Let's really just flood the charts because you know what. If you want a third book, that's the best way to make it happen. And also, if you haven't already done so, bug your local libraries for a copy. And also, yeah, libraries. If you uh, can't get a copy of Loose Units, but you have a local library, see if they've got a copy. If not, you know what? If you ask them, they'll get it in. 
So just get in touch with your local libraries. Uh, listen to it. If you've got an Audible subscription, you can listen to the audiobook. That's another way to get it. But either way, Loose Students and Electric Blue, just such a labor of love for us. So thank you for all the support. We miss you all terribly. Can't wait to get back on the road and do live shows. But in the meantime... Get ready for a new season of Loose Units kicking off on the 20th of October. Get a copy of Electric Blue for Christmas. There's so much housekeeping. So sorry, guys. Uh, we, we can't wait to see you at the end of this week. So we'll see you on Friday, bright and early, for a new episode of Loose Ends. Bye. Cheerio. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.